Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our readers and listeners of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position, along with your favorite beverage, to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine the show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion, we want to say thanks for questions coming from our audience of Smith Weekly, including Cindy W., Paul M., and Jackie A. On the show today is Darren LeBrenz, President, CEO, and Director of Pure Gold Mining, a Canadian gold developer in process of constructing the Madsen Gold Project in Red Lake Mining District, Ontario. The company is listed on the Toronto Venture Exchange under the symbol PGM, on the London Stock Exchange under the symbol PUR, and also on the US OTC markets under the symbol L-R-T-N-F. Darren, welcome back to the show. Thanks. Uh, happy to be on the show. Well, Darren, I think most folks know uh, about Pure Gold at this point in our audience, uh, and uh, they, they know a bit about you based on our past discussion. Let's let's talk about the market for a moment. Uh, thoughts on where we are with, with gold price and sentiment. What are you seeing out there? Yeah, obviously we've uh, you know we've seen a, a, a pretty solid move in the gold price over the last uh, four to five months. Uh, you know, it's particularly uh, um, important from our perspective when you look at our project. We we came up with a feasibility study in February that had a gold price of of twelve hundred and seventy five US dollars per ounce as a base case uh, for an exchange rate of um, seventy five cents uh, US buys one Canadian dollar. And, and that translates into a Canadian dollar gold price of somewhere around $1,500. Uh, today, we're sitting at about $2,000. And so with the project, uh, you know, having significant infrastructure in place, uh, we really are leveraged to that change in gold price. And, and it shows our, our after-tax net present value moving from about $250 million to $400 million at today's prices, uh, generating just under a under billion dollars in cash flow. Uh, so very significant from our perspective. You know, when I look at the... Uh, you know the, the trade turmoil that we're seeing across the world and, and the move towards uh, negative interest rates uh, in, in most of the uh, developed economies. I, I certainly think that we're in a period here where we're going to continue to see strengthening in the gold price. And uh, I think it really bodes well for us uh, with our project coming online. I think we're perfectly timed to the market. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of, lot of good stuff going on out there. And uh... I don't know that everybody is yet to fully realize the ramifications of fourteen and fifteen hundred dollar gold and and what that can do to a number of solid producers out there, which uh, it appears pure gold will be one of those uh, shortly. Well, Darren, take us back uh, a few months uh, and tell the audience about the board decision to move ahead with construction at Madsen and tell us what you ended up doing for the full finance package. Sure. So, we have, uh, uh, you know, again, we ha we released our feasibility study in February. This feasibility study is is based on a portion of our mineral resource. As you know, we've been very successful in extending the uh, the deposit uh, with new discoveries along strike, and and uh, we took a portion of that, uh, put it through a feasibility study, came up with a mine plan that generates a 12-year mine life. Uh, again, very low capital cost at uh, 95 million Canadian for initial capital, and generates uh, the 250 million dollar NPV at 30 plus percent uh, IRR after tax uh, using that 1275 US dollar gold price. And, uh, and so the board has made a decision to move forward and a uh, decision to construct uh, subsequent to our financing. So the financing came really in two stages. Uh, the first was an equity financing, which was $47.5 million Canadian. 
Uh, key to that financing were, were two strategic um, investors. And so we saw our, 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 our key strategic, Angle Gold Ashanti, come in and maintain their pro rata position. And so they currently are, are a 14% owner of Pure Gold. And we saw Eric Sprott come in with a uh, investment of $20 million US, or $20 million Canadian dollars, which puts him at just about 10% of the uh, of the company. And, and those really were key to us. You know, obviously when I when I sat down and spoke with Eric, uh, you know, he recognizes the value that we have in our, our feasibility mine plant. But a real key driver for him was the opportunity for transformative growth. And so what what do I mean by transformative growth? Well, really you can look to his experience with Kirkland and the uh, you know the Macassan mine or, or more so the Fosterville mine. You know, Fosterville was a uh, I guess you could say many companies broke their pick on it, trying to, to move it forward. And it really was uh, initially Newmarket that started drilling deeper down in the deposit and, and ultimately Kirkland, who's realizing the value of increasing grade with depth. And that's turned to turned into be a real cash cow. Uh, we've got the same sort of situation just to the north of us at the Red Lake mine. Uh, I was there as chief geologist in the mid 1990s when they were starting to drill the high grade zone. Uh, that transformed the Red Lake mine from a 50,000 ounce producer at sub 10 grams to uh, a 550,000 ounce producer at 77 grams. And that discovery was made in the heart of the deposit. We feel that at Madison Red Lake, we have the exact same opportunity. Uh, we've got, you know, our high grade zone at depth is the eighth zone. It's open, it runs two to three times the average grade of our mineral reserve. And uh, and we've got a pierce point that, that's uh, a kilometer below the base of the reserves that shows the deposit is still persistent to depth. So so that was kind of what draw, drew in, uh, you know, Eric as a, as a lead strategic. Uh, we followed that up with a, a project financing package uh, with Sprott Resource Lending. Uh, that package includes a, a $65 million U.S. debt facility and a $25 million U.S. callable gold stream. Uh, the callable gold stream we've received the proceeds for, and uh, it uh, requires us to uh, effectively uh, transfer 5% of production at 30% of spot price. Uh, but important to us, it is callable with a couple call dates, two and three years out, where we can repurchase the entire stream back. So collectively, we've got a 95 million US uh, debt package. Uh, we raised 47.5 million in equity. Today, we're sitting on, you know, just under 90 million Canadian in cash as we commence construction, and uh, we've got 55 million US in undrawn debt in that facility. So there were a couple criticisms uh, for the terms of, of parts of the financing, mostly on the grounds of the gold price when the terms were announced. Mm -hmm. But but the, sh the shares, obviously, the shares uh, moved around a little bit there. But uh, any any comments on those criticisms? Yeah, I mean, with respect to the timing of, of our equity financing, you know, it was pretty clear to to the market that uh, that we were moving forward to a. Uh, to, to production and development of our asset. And, and I think to in a sense, to a sense, we had a bit of an overhang on our share price. Uh, clearly, we don't have a crystal ball. We, we, we had no idea which direction the gold market's gonna go and, and it could change in any given day. For us, the, uh, the balancing there was looking at the opportunity of the quality of the shareholders we were bringing in. And so I, I mentioned Eric Sprott, Angle Gold Ashanti. These are key strategic shareholders with which whom, along with uh, Newmont Gold Corp and Rob McEwen, collectively hold over 30% of the company. Uh, that was that was a real value driver for us. And, and these are shareholders that are supporting us as we move the project through into production. Uh, we also saw some significant institutional investment in that equity raise. And, uh, you know, importantly, the combination of the equity raise and the uh, project financing facility gives us a lot of flexibility so that we can continue to explore, continue to drill, and continue to show that growth potential that we, we see in the project. 
as we move forward into construction without uh, without being concerned about uh, you know moving our working capital too low as we as we bring in the first gold pour towards the end of next year. Right, and I think I think the big picture here is what stands out, and and I would just point out that that you know here the critics must have some high grade crystal balls because you know not too many had predicted such a move in the gold price. It's a little hard, I would say, in the capital markets to hold out for such perfect conditions to pull the trigger on such a construction finance raise. And so I, I think that uh, it was well-timed uh, in general, and uh, you guys will, will be there to take advantage of, of pricing. So you, you just went over it. I think, I think we, can, we can skip. Uh, I, had to, I was going to ask you about major shareholder ownership post-financing. Uh, now, did uh, Newmont Gold Corp, did they, did they participate anti-dilution, or, or what happened with that? No, they did not. So when you look at our strategic investors, uh, none of them have any rights, and so there isn't anti-dilution rights in there. Uh, nor nor board or technical committee representation. Uh, they have been very supportive. Obviously, Newmont has, has Newmont Gold Corp. Uh, you know, Newmont recently acquired Gold Corp to become Newmont Gold Corp. Uh, they've they've recently announced a, a process on, on the Red Lake mine, and so as you know, as a consequence of that, they did not participate in this financing. Okay, yeah, that sounds good and and uh, interesting information there, and uh, the the shareholder roster uh, remains to be. Uh, quite impeccable with what you guys have there and what you've been able to accomplish. Um, well, take us, take us, uh, let's, let's step forward a little bit and let's let's go through the procurement process, Darren. How did you mm -hmm. go about getting proposals for construction? Who are the major players that the company decided on for the work? Yeah, so we've got uh, we've got several uh, you know, well-known consulting firms engaged here on 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 what at this point is is primarily engineering and procurement. And so uh, Hatch is uh, the engineer of record from, from a surface infrastructure perspective. Uh, we've got Knight Peasled on, on tailings, and, uh, and we've got uh, Dumas uh, uh, Mine Contracting engaged for the detailed mine engineering. And uh, JDS is the lead contractor that's uh, effectively managing those contracts and, and, uh, and, and the audit on the ground. What we've done at this point with our decision to construct is we've, uh, we've initiated a 90-day plan, which... Uh, which will take us about half of the way through detailed engineering. So that's a, that's effectively taking the the work that was done in the feasibility study and 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 bringing it to a um, you know issued for construction level. So taking your engineering to the full full level so that we can we can start the uh, the, the surface works and the underground pre-production development. Uh, during that phase, uh, we're also looking at some of the longer lead items of which we don't have many, and uh, and putting in putting in orders for for those those pieces of equipment that will take longer to arrive. And uh, so at the end of the 90-day period, which is, um, you know, early November, we anticipate having a refined project uh, execution schedule or our schedule for, for construction, as well as a very detailed mine pre-production budget to, to work towards. Uh, as we go through this process thus far, you know, things are coming along very well with respect to the surface works. Uh, we've got uh, the mill re-energized. Uh, we've um, certified the overhead cranes and going through a detailed mechanical audit and and things are looking pretty good on the mill. Uh, tailings facility is in, in very good shape and, and it's effectively ready to go with first production. And uh, we're well down the path of, uh, of the, the detailed pre-production plan for underground and anticipate uh, pre-production underground work to, to commence uh, you know, sometime in Q4 this year likely as, uh, as we move forward to production in next year. And what else, is there anything else going? Uh, I know there's a couple items on the ground that's going on. Uh, you touched on a few of them. 
once once we get through the engineering phase, uh, how is the schedule looking? Are are you guys confident in in the prior proposed schedule? Yeah, so we'll we'll, we'll obviously disclose a, uh, a refinement to the schedule as as we get through the end of this this ninety day plan that I just described. But uh, feeling pretty confident right now with respect to the works to be done. Uh, you know, I mentioned some of the work that's happening on site. We've done a little bit of works um, on on the haul road from the portal back to the mill. Uh, we've got our dewatering lines and are currently dewatering on site. Uh, we've got some of the surface buildings that'll form our our um, you know office administration uh, on their way, and we'll be putting in a drive for the underground here before the winter sets in. Uh, a lot of the uh, the mill works will happen uh, as we as we move into the new year and uh, and certainly we, we're on track for for first production by the end of next year. Darren, what do you see as kind of the next challenges coming down the pipe uh, to complete construction and commissioning that you see and is everything looking good so far on the budget front as far as costs? Yeah, certainly from what I've seen thus far, everything's looking good on the budget side with respect to costs. Uh, again, we'll have a, a more detailed and refined budget and schedule uh, coming out here in the near term, but I don't see any surprises at this point. Uh, you know, when you look at our project, it, uh, you know, if I were to step back, mining complex, mining projects are inherently complex with uh, the work that needs to be done and, and can often run into the hundreds of millions or, or billions of dollars. Uh, you know, our capital cost here, initial capital requirements are, are 100 million. And and the reason it's it's so light is because some of those key pieces are already in place. So again, you know, we have a mill, uh, we have a tailings facility, we have a shaft, we have an underground access via portal and ramp. And so those those pieces are already there, and we can leverage those for for construction. The uh, the added benefit there is it really does de-risk things. When I look at uh, capital projects, you know, generally where do things go off the rails from a capital perspective? It's often earthworks. So these are earthworks uh, around your, your your key pieces of infrastructure, like the mill foundations, and and importantly the tailings management facility. Earthworks around that, if you if you don't have the right geotechnical information, uh, you can end up doing a lot more work, and, and obviously the that that can be at quite a cost. Uh, with us having a mill in place, uh, concrete's great shape, it's metal clad building that's in great shape, uh, our tailings facility is effectively good to go. Uh, that really does reduce the risk on capital cost overruns and it also really reduces the risk from a timing or scheduling perspective. So that leaves me uh, you know, pretty comfortable about where we stand today. Uh, the key here is to get underground and uh, get our people engaged. Uh, we are moving from a company that is relatively light from an employee perspective to you know, a company that on, on average life of mine will have about 340 employees. And so we're working right now uh, to, to put the right people in place so that we can initiate our underground pre-production development work uh, uh, likely sooner than what we saw in the feasibility study to give us the opportunity to open up those initial mining stopes uh, earlier and uh, start building out an inventory in advance of commercial production. And Darren, is there any, on the Pure Gold team side, is there any key construction uh, managers uh, that you'd like to point out on the Pure Gold side that's overseeing uh, the operations? Yeah, I'll just, I'll, I'll highlight a couple people and, and a couple people that we will be uh, engaging. So uh, obviously Ken Donner is our VP operations. Uh, Ken has got about 30 years of experience in, in the mining industry. Um, and, and virtually all of that experience is in underground mines, very similar to the one that we're constructing. Uh, the first 20 years of his career were were mine management, and so he he operated mines like the the Snip Mines, Snap Lake, uh, uh, Julieta for Bima, uh, McRae's for Oceana. Uh, the last 10 years, he's been engaged in in really uh, a very similar phase to what we're in right now, which is bringing mines into production. And so uh, so he's a very key individual uh, that we have uh, on the team for moving the project forward. 
Uh, we engaged uh, Dmitry Dmaniak uh, uh, a few weeks back, or well, months, I guess now, time's flying along, but uh, he's uh, our engineering manager, so he's working very closely with JDS, Hatch, and, and Knight Peasled in terms of being part of the owner's team, managing those uh, those key consultants for moving the project forward. Uh, he's a mechanical engineer by background and uh, and has been doing this kind of work for, for virtually all of his career. And so he's very skilled at, uh, at managing the, these these types of contracts. Uh, we're currently engaged in a, a search for a mine general manager, and we intend to get that person in in place uh, in the very near term. And and that'll be per, the person that will oversee and start building out the team at site. Uh, in the meantime, we we have a mining manager, an underground mining manager engaged at site. Uh, we've hired some key mining people, and uh, we're starting to build out that uh, that operational team that will that'll begin the underground construction. Well, I appreciate the information on that. Um, now, how about uh, now? You mentioned the the, the gold stream. Um, mm -hmm. Is there is there any other hedging or pre-production sales of gold that's that's going on at this point? Are you guys besides that stream? Uh, are you guys full and open as as far as your production goes? Yeah, we are. So we have no royalties on the reserve. Uh, we have uh, no requirements to hedge as part of our project financing facility. And so uh, it's, it's fairly transparent, you know, sale of gold into, into the spot market. Uh, again, we feel pretty strongly about the, the direction of, of gold right now. And, uh, and I do believe that the Canadian dollar is going to remain fairly flat for, for some time. So uh, we think we've got, uh, uh, you know, a great opportunity here with all of our costs in Canadian dollars and, and a rising U.S. dollar gold price. Well, that sounds good. Over on the community and regulatory front, any issues on that front as construction progresses? No, certainly Red Lake is a, uh, you know, it's a very well-established uh, mining community. Uh, gold mining has been occurring in the area since uh, effectively the area was founded back in the 1920s. Uh, the Newmont Gold Corp Red Lake mine is, has produced, uh, you know, somewhere north of 20 million ounces to date and, and and has been in continuous production since 1945. So there's been, I would say, a real buzz in the community about uh, a new operator in town, and uh, we've been generating a lot of excitement. There's been a fantastic response to, to our, uh, you know, to our search for for uh, for some of the the skilled labor that we'll require to to build the mine, and uh, and thus far, you know, the community interaction we've had has been has been fantastic. Uh, we recently. Um, I guess in July, I've signed a project agreement with uh, two First Nations, Laxul and Wabasgang, bringing them as partners on the project. And uh, we're really excited about that, working with them to, to move the project forward. Uh, from a regulatory permitting perspective, we are permitted as a mine in Ontario, uh, but those permits were issued uh, initially in the 1990s, and, and we're amending them to reflect our mine plan and, uh, and regulatory changes since they were init initially issued. Uh, there's really three key permits, if you will. Uh, two of them are called environment, environmental compliance approvals. One for air and noise, which governs the uh, the, the noise emission at site and, and ventilation um, sources. And the other one is uh, what they call industrial sewage works, which is really your mill uh, and mill effluent. So that's your water permit. Uh, the third one that uh, that we that we require is uh, an updated or amended mine closure plan. And the mine closure plan is really a mechanism to to identify all the work that needs to be done. Uh, to close out the mine and uh, and provide some financial assurance to the to the regulatory bodies uh, to to do that work. So to speak to each of those, the air and nurse permit uh, we submitted uh, last year. Based on the conversations we've had recently, we believe that that, that permit is imminent in terms of an amendment and issuing to Pure Gold. Uh, the water permit, the mill effluent, uh, we've. Uh, 
completed all of our baseline work. We've submitted about six different documents. Uh, we've had, uh, you know, water quality prediction meetings. Uh, we had an interagency meeting recently, and uh, and that process is well underway. Uh, we believe that we'll have that permanent hand by uh, by the end of Q1 next year, which is which is you know definitely sufficient for our purposes as we move the project forward. And then the uh, the mine closure plan is really just a uh, a very standardized process and. Uh, and, and that process is commencing now. We would anticipate having the, the mine closure plan amended and in place, uh, likely by, by uh, if not the end of this year, very early next year. Very well. Can you just highlight for the audience, uh, what's the allocation of, of job that, that are gonna be looked at for the, the First Nations local community there? Can you, can you give us maybe a job count? And then what is the, for the new hires, what's the pay range that we're looking at for, for working with you guys? That really depends on the um, you know the, the type of work. Obviously, what we uh, what we've got here is uh, you know construction period that'll that'll move up into the high 200s for employees. Life of mine, as I stated earlier, about 340 on average. I think we peak uh, peak out at at somewhere just shy of 400 uh, jobs on site. Uh, those jobs, when you look at them, uh, really range from uh, you know they're predominantly underground, and so uh, that's for for the mining. Uh, of the deposit, I think we sit somewhere around 200 employees. It'll be underground, and that includes, uh, you know, some of the the, the skilled management uh, positions uh, through your general foreman, your mine captains, and and then the guys at the, you know, the, that are really driving the underground work, uh, your your jumbo operators, bolters, and and miners, and so forth. Uh, obviously, we've got a technical services team that we're building building out, uh, which includes uh, mine engineering, uh, geology, which will be quite important as we move forward through this. Uh, through into production, um, surveying, uh, environmental, and uh, and then admin services to, to manage the people, and then the uh, the mine general manager on, on top of that. With respect to uh, First Nations employment, obviously we're we're working with our partners to to try and encourage as much employment as possible. And to that end, uh, we will be employing a, a liaison uh, person, which will which will work with us in terms of identifying individuals with with a, a desire to work and skill set to to do the work. Uh, we are committed to hiring locally as uh, as, uh, as as much as possible. And uh, again, given that we're in Red Lake with such a long, rich history of mining, uh, we think that we'll be very successful in doing so. And uh, and with respect to pay range, you know, obviously we're we're looking to be competitive with uh, with uh, pay scales in 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 Ontario and uh, and certainly competitive in in the region that we're in. So that's effectively where we'll stand from a pay perspective. Well, let's move over to uh, exploration work. Now you've allocated some capital to go after some expansion and increase uh, to the resource. What is happening here and what can shareholders expect on this front until construction is completed? That's really the, uh, you know, it almost seems like the, the story that's fallen into the background a bit as we move into construction, but it really is uh, a value driver for pure gold. You know, as I mentioned, I talked earlier about uh, transformative growth and, and things that we've seen, at, you know, other operations, Macassa, Fosterville, the Red Lake mine. Uh, even when you look at West Dome and the work they're doing at Deep Kena, you know a lot of these uh, these greenstone gold deposits, uh, they they have very deep roots and uh, and often they they can be quite quite a bit higher grade as you move down in depth. Uh, we've been focused over the last few years in in uh, looking at the lateral extensions to the to the very large Madsen mineral system, and, we've, and we have been quite successful with discoveries to the south at Fork and Wedge, as we as we call it. Uh, with discoveries to the west, the you know, rest of south, which really is the updip continuation of our high-grade zone, the eighth zone. 
Uh, we continue to do work on those on those extensions. Uh, obviously, they're not incorporated in our feasibility mine plan, but we do see an opportunity here with further work to potentially bring them forward and and uh, bring them into a future mine plan. And uh, obviously, any ounce that we can add to the uh, to the reserves is highly accretive, given that the infrastructure will already be in place. Uh, another uh, you know another target area that we're looking towards uh, that. Uh, that uh, we put out a release last week uh, is the, what we you know call the gap between the, the deep rate zone and our Russell South Fork uh, wedge footwall resources. So I'll, I'll step back and describe that for a moment. When you look at the eight zone at depth, uh, the eight zone again runs uh, you know two to three times higher grade than the uh, than the overall reserve. Uh, we've got an indicated resource in the eight zone that's 485,000 tons at 21 grams per ton gold. And so clearly it, it drives a lot of value in, in the mine plan. It is open up and down plunge. Uh, when you look towards surface, uh, Russet South is, is effectively the up-dip continuation. So if you point it up, you're, you're in that mineral resource. And it shares the same geological characteristics, uh, you know, the, near these mafeculture, mafic contacts, uh, dark gray quartz veins, lots of visible gold. Uh, and it's, it's the exact same rocks, the same structure, and the same style of mineralization you see at the, uh, the, the high-grade zone in the Red Lake mine as well. So we're really excited about this, this target environment. Uh, we've got proof at depth of, of a high-grade reserve, and at surface, we've got resources at, at, at several areas in that same geologic environment. Uh, we put a hole in, a bit of a wildcat hole, if you will, and uh, testing midway between Russet South and the 8th zone uh, at 750 meters up plunge of the 8th zone. We intersected 20 meters of intensely altered rock, the same gray quartz veins, uh, 20 occurrences of visible gold. I uh, didn't quite get the high grade that we were hoping for with 20 meters at two grams or, or two meters at five grams. But the, uh, the important thing here is it really is, you know, demonstrates uh, you know, beyond a doubt that the, that environment has persistence. We see the depth, we see it surface, we've gone right in the middle and we've got a strong mineral system in place there. And so it's an area that we're really excited about continuing to explore, looking for that next high-grade discovery. So we've uh, got a budget this year that's uh, about $5.1 million. Uh, we're drilling 20,000 meters, a uh, combination of some of this uh, more exploratory drilling in, into the gap area, uh, as well as uh, infill and step-out drilling on our, our known mineral resources uh, near surface. And uh, we're in the process right now of budgeting for next year. And so... What I can say is, uh, you know, we haven't approved or reviewed a budget as yet for next year, but uh, we're determined to to keep drilling as we move forward uh, through construction and into production. And the uh, the financing again that we've completed gives us that flexibility to do so. And Darren, with with the the extra work there on expanding, what's management have in mind? You know, what's what's internally being discussed as far as where you guys are headed with a target size and a mine life mine life size given that you know depletion will probably start happening once once you guys are commissioned and going next year what's what's kind of a, a long-term target that you guys are really looking at uh going after great question so this is obviously a forward-looking statement but uh, i'll talk about mine life first you know when you look at our, our feasibility mine plan we've got a 12-year mine life that uh, you know peaks out at 125,000 ounces shows five years in production that that exceeds 100,000 ounces uh, this is a portion of our mineral resources I stated earlier. And so when you look at our extensions, uh, we've got about uh, just shy of a half million ounces there that's not currently uh, in a, a feasibility study or in a mine plan that's open. So we continue to drill there with the goal of ultimately not only extending mine life, but uh, looking at an opportunity to potentially scale the plant 
and impact the production profile. And so, you know, on average, we're producing just shy of 100,000 ounces in the feasibility mine plan. Our goal here is to show 10 years of production that's, you know, somewhere in that 100 to 150,000 plus ounces per annum. And, uh, and we think we have a pathway to do that with, uh, with further work on the mineral extensions near surface. And so that's, that's kind of priority number one. Priority two is, you know, when you look at the mine life itself, uh, you know, my view is that this is not a 12-year mine. This is a, uh, has the potential to be a multi-decade mine. And so why do I say that? Well, when you look at our mineral reserve, uh, we drilled a hole in 2017 at the base. It forms an anchor point for our reserve, if you will, that uh, they return 34.6 grams over 4.3 meters. It sits at 1.3 kilometers vertical. And, uh, and so it shows the system is very strong at the base of our reserve. We've got a hole that was drilled, uh, I guess, about nine years ago now that intersected the deposit at 2.1 kilometer depth. And uh, when you look at that rock, uh, it's got the same alteration, uh, the same style of mineralization. It ran half an ounce over two meters. And again, it shows that the system has, you know, deep roots. It's in place. Uh, you lay that rock out next to what we test mined at 150 meters depth from our ramp, and it's identical. And so there's a one kilometer plunge line between those two, those two anchor points. If you look at the top part of the, the mine, uh, we've got an endowment of about three and a half thousand ounces per vertical meter. So if you wave your arms a bit and uh, and you do the math, three and a half thousand ounces times uh, one kilometer is three and a half million ounces. And so we think that kind of potential exists uh, right below the bottom of our reserve. Clearly, it's quite expensive to drill from surface, um, but uh, we'll be down there in year three at 800 meter depth. We'll be setting up the hang wall. We'll be starting to drill off that potential. And, uh, and we're really excited about starting to show that deep uh, upside at, at the uh, at the Madison Red Lake mine. So step out along lateral extents, looking to impact the production profile and longevity to us is, is pretty clearly evident by the, uh, the, the the anchor points that we have in the mineral uh, resource itself. Appreciate you, your insights on that. Now with the production profile that's anticipated with, with commissioning and ramping up, once uh, you guys start cash flowing at the current profile, What's going to be the focus? Uh, let's let's just say that gold stays at uh, you know 1275 or more. What will be the focus? Will it, will it be a focus of using that cash flow that point to drive down some of the the finance side, or will will more money be placed uh, towards expansion? What's kind of the plan once you guys get to a sustainable situation? Yeah, you know, obviously we're going to want to reduce the uh, the, the financing impact on the project as as, as quickly as we can. You know, our, our intent would be to buy out the uh, the uh, the callable gold stream uh, where where possible, given a, a strong metal price environment. But but having said that, uh, we feel very strongly about showing that organic growth profile to the uh, to the company and to the to the to the project. Uh, to that end, uh, you know, when you look at our feasibility plan, we have a pretty healthy drilling budget in there that we continue to try to convert inferred uh, into a mineral reserve within the the uh, footprint of the feasibility plan, if you will. And our intention is to continue to redirect some funds to uh, to exploration activities, because again, we think there's an opportunity here to bring those ounces forward and uh, through a scaling of the plant show a uh, impact on production profile and cash flow moving forward. Darren, how how comfortable does management feel if if we're at 1275 gold and you guys are producing as intended? How yeah. comfortable are you guys with your extra expenses, your G&A costs, et cetera? How comfortable are you guys not needing any further capital from the markets? Yeah, I mean, we feel we feel really comfortable here at this point in time. When you look at our you know, average uh, after-tax cash flow or that uh, 
that first kind of seven-year period, we're looking at about $50 million uh, at a 1275 US dollar gold price. Uh, life of mine, about $537 million. And so we certainly have enough buffer there to cover off on, on you know, working capital, corporate uh, G&A, and, and some exploration activities at 1275 and, and even lower than that, uh, to be quite frank. Obviously, again, we're very leveraged to, uh, to gold price. Uh, and again, today, we're looking at about $850 million in cash flow, life of mine. And so we think that uh, we're going to be in a very strong position given how quickly we're moving this project into first gold core. And at, at uh, current prices uh, and, and higher prices, obviously, even with all the other activities, uh, you really see the rest of that just going to the bottom line. Yeah, I mean, we, we I guess one thing I would say is we're quite an ambitious group. Uh, obviously, our focus right now is to is to bring this project in and execute successfully. Uh, we see real organic growth opportunity here with uh, with the mineral resources that we have identified along strike of the of the main part of the deposit. Uh, I've talked about long term growth uh, down plunge where we, we have an opportunity for transformative growth. And so we're quite excited about the potential of this, this very large land package. Um, I don't think I, I have a real desire to be a single asset producer. And so obviously when we get uh, get into commercial production and have, uh, have things operating uh, smoothly, we would be looking to grow the company. Absolutely. If something doesn't come along before that, absolutely, I agree. So for potential investors who are on the sidelines listening, uh, what would you say to them at this stage and at current price levels at Pure Gold? Why should they look at Pure Gold now? I think that, uh, you know, it, when you look at uh, Pure Gold and where we're at in our stage of development, uh, we are we are developing an asset. Uh, we're moving into production. And traditionally, that's a that's a quiet period for companies. I would uh, I would argue that we're a very unique uh, unique company here in that uh, our execution schedule so our implementation schedule here is very short uh, we're not talking about a four-year plan we're not talking about significant permitting or or significant capital cost over on risks here uh, we're looking at, at a process that's going to take us into next year and we're pouring gold and so it's a very short window when you layer on top of the uh, of that the the financing flexibility that we have here and the organic growth opportunity that's in front of us uh, we are continuing to drill, so we're going to see news as we move forward into into production, and every drill hole could be that transformative discovery that uh, that I've been talking about. And so I think that that's uh, it's an opportunity for investors to get in at a point where we think we're valued quite low given a rising gold price environment. So one thing I would kind of you know finish off on is is you know statement follow the leaders. Uh, we've got over 30% of our company held strategically. Anglo Gold Ashanti holds 14% of the company. Eric Sprott is a 10% shareholder. Newmont Gold Corp and Rob McEwen uh, collectively hold about 10%. And so these are individuals that uh, have, have faith in management and in the project and see the opportunity for transformative growth. And uh, and we certainly do as management. Well, Darren, I appreciate the, the comments there. Uh, let's leave it there. Thanks for taking the time to update us. Safe and steady progress with construction at Madsen and looking forward to speaking again soon. Thank you so much. I do as well.